invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. We'll be in chapter 12, starting in verse 38. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 38, and we'll read through 44. Mark 12:38. Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this wonderful day. We thank you for giving us another opportunity to worship you and to be fed from your word. And Father, I just pray that you will be in our midst this morning. I pray that you will speak through me, Father, that you'll give me your spirit and that I will follow your spirit. And I pray that you would speak words of encouragement, words of conviction, uh, words of inspiration to your people. Father, give us the grace to be able to receive this word and the wisdom to be able to apply it to the areas of our life which we, we need it. And Father, I I pray for all of us here, Father, that we might, through this word, become more obedient, like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, help us to listen to what he says and apply it to our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to title this message this morning, Spiritual Hypocrisy versus Spiritual Devotion. Spiritual hypocrisy versus spiritual devotion. And just so we remember, we have been looking here in the Gospel of Mark, and we've been in chapter 12 now here for a little while, and we remember that Jesus had come into Jerusalem, which we read that passage this morning reminding us, of his triumphal entry, and he had come into the temple, and he first, when he got into the temple, he overthrew the money changers, he overthrew the the tables of them that were uh, making a profit off of people, and he reminded them that God's house was to be a house of prayer and not a house of merchandise. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders were very upset at Jesus for doing this. And um, he is at odds with them, as we see that he has been at odds with them his whole ministry. 
And we see that he comes back into the temple the next day and he begins teaching them, teaching the people. Um, We see that the scribes, the chief priests and the elders question Jesus' authority to do the things he was doing and teach the things he was teaching. We see that Jesus um, spoke a parable against the religious leaders talking about the judgment that was going to be coming upon them because of their mishandling of God's word and mishandling um, the vineyard which he had given to his people. And then we see that they began coming to Jesus with questions, trying to trap him so that they might have something to accuse him of. And we see how each time that they came with their questions, Jesus was able to overcome them. He was able to stop them in their tracks. He was able to point out the hypocrisy of their questions, and um, he was able to point them to the truth. And then after they had asked all their questions, we saw last time how Jesus asked them a question about David's understanding of who the true Messiah was, and it says that they were no longer able to answer him where they weren't able to answer him, and they no longer dared to ask him any questions. And as we come to the end of this chapter 12, we see that this conflict and this confrontation that Jesus had been having with the religious leaders, it really it comes to a head. And Mark doesn't have a long section here dealing with this, but you can we, we'll reference... Uh, Matthew 23, and Matthew has 36 verses devoted to this, um, these woes that Jesus pronounces upon these religious leaders. But we find here in, in this text today, um, we see two very different examples of people who are serving God. We have these scribes, these Pharisees, and these chief priests who not all of them were this way, but many of them were this way, that they were very hypocritical in their service to God. And Jesus has pointed this out on several occasions already, and he does it so very pointedly here in this text that we have before us today. But we have these who are serving God just for show, and who are serving God on the outside, But on the inside, they're far from God. They're doing service to God, going through the motions. But just to be seen of man, just to receive praise from man, but not out of a true heart and love for God. And then we see a widow woman who is serving God with everything that she has. And she's not doing it to be seen of man. She's doing it because she loves the Lord with all her heart, soul, strength, and mind. And so we have here two contrasted uh, next to each other. Those that are on the outward, they're on the from the outward uh, viewpoint, they seem to be serving God. They seem to be doing everything that they should be doing. But Jesus points out that it's all just for 
show for personal gain. And then you have a woman who doesn't care anything about what other people think or what other, if other people see her or not. She is giving everything that she has to the Lord. So two very extreme examples of people who are serving God, but with different motivations. And the point is this. I think that we can take away the main point that we would want to take away from this text this morning is that it's not about how much we do for God to be seen by man, but rather it is about what we do for God and how we do it to be seen by Him. So it is not about how much we do for God to be seen by man, but rather it is about what we do for God and how we do it to be seen by Him. And I think this is clearly seen in this text before us. So Jesus warns against the spiritual hypocrisy of the scribes. And he points out the true spiritual devotion of the widow woman to teach us how we ought to serve God. We should not serve God with hypocrisy. We should not serve God with spiritual pride. But instead, we should serve God out of love and out of devotion and out of a desire to want to honor Him with our life. And so, I just have two headings this morning as we look at this text today. Number one, the hypocrisy of the scribes. And number two, the humility of the widow. Number one, the hypocrisy of the scribes. And number two, the humility of the widow. Now let's turn to verse 38 and consider our first heading, which is the hypocrisy of the scribes. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive greater damnation. Luke also records this in his gospel, and it's very similar to Mark's account. Luke chapter 20, verses 45 through 47, says, Then in the audience of all the people he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes, and love greetings in the markets, and the highest seats in the synagogues, and the chief rooms at feast, which devours widows' houses, and for a show make long prayers, the same shall receive greater damnation. Matthew, in his account, has 36 verses devoted in chapter 23 of his gospel. We'll not have the time to look at all all of that section of scripture, but we'll definitely reference it and we'll go look at the things that he records there. So in thinking about the hypocrisy of the scribes and what we're to learn from this text this morning, number one, we see first of all that Jesus warns against this hypocrisy. And he said unto them in his doctrine, beware of the scribes. The word doctrine means instruction or teaching. So this is a part of Jesus' teaching. When he goes into the temple, he's teaching the people. He's preaching. And part of his 
teaching, part of his doctrine, is warning the people, warning the disciples, and warning the audience of the danger of the false teachers, of the false prophets, of these hypocritical religious leaders. And so he was warning the disciples, he was warning his followers, and he was warning the audience that the people respected these religious leaders. They, they showed them reverence and honor because of their position. They, they thought highly of them. These were scribes. These were people who, who were copying the Word of God and they were, they were preserving it. And they, they, were, they were men who were educated. They were, they were men who were, uh, for, most, for the most part, they were holy men of God. And so the people looked up to them and they respected them. But it was important for Jesus that he point out how that they had strayed. Point out how that they had left following the word of God and listening to the word of God and being obedient to the word of God. They knew it. They were transcribing it. They were copying it. But they weren't applying it. And they were telling people what to do. They were telling people what the word said. But they weren't living it out in their life. And Jesus says you need to beware of these kind of scribes. And so he uses the word beware, which means to behold, take a look at, examine, take heed. And this verb is in the present tense. So they needed to continue to do this, continue to beware, continue to take heed, continue to examine these scribes and what they're saying and how they're living. It's in the imperative mood, which means it's a command, right? Beware, take heed. This is a command of Jesus. You need to be aware of the false teachers. You need to be aware of the hypocritical spiritual leaders. And it's in the active voice, so it means it's something that you have to do. right? You have to be aware. You have to be looking at. You have to be examining. You have to be on alert. Behold. Beware of the scribes. In Matthew 23... Jesus pronounces eight different woes upon them, and the language is very strong. If you have time, I want you to go and I want you to just study that passage of Scripture and, and look at those, all of those. We'll turn to and look at some of them. Benson, in his commentary, says about this, Beware of the scribes. See that you do not imitate their hypocrisy. So Jesus is saying, Beware of the scribes, and then he goes, on, goes out to point out some things and how they're being hypocritical, and he says, don't imitate that. Don't imitate that. See that you do not imitate their hypocrisy or their principles, and be on your guard against their insidious counsels and designs. He says there was an absolute necessity for these repeated cautions of our Lord. For considering the in- veterate prejudices of these scribes against him and his doctrine, it can never be supposed that the common people would receive the gospel till these incorrigible blasphemers of it were brought to such disgrace. So in order for the people to receive what Jesus was teaching in his doctrine, he needed to point out the hypocrisy of the false teachers in their ungodly ways. And so he says, beware It's a warning. Pay heed. Pay attention. 
And so we see, first of all, that Jesus is warning against this hypocrisy of the scribes. Now, let's now consider what Jesus was warning them about. First of all, spiritual hypocrisy and what we see in the scribes and what he lists here is all about the outward show of service. But when you dig down to the root and when you examine them and you examine the life, it's really all about personal benefit and recognition. So on the outward, it looks like a show of service to God. It looks like, oh, they're being obedient to God. They're, they're such holy men. But as Jesus points out, it's really about personal benefit, personal gain, and personal recognition. It doesn't come out of love for God. It doesn't come out of a humble heart of service to God. It comes out of a, a heart of pride. And this is what really gets down to with these scribes in this spiritual hypocrisy that's talking about. It's pride. They were very proud men. Proud of their position. Proud of the recognition that they were getting. Proud of the benefit that they were receiving from being the religious leaders. And Jesus points this out. It's all about the outward show of service to God. But as he says in the other text, inwardly they are full of dead men's bones. He says the first thing which you see about them and this spiritual hypocrisy is they love to go in long clothing. R.C. Sproul says the scribes had special prayer shawls that were so long they touched the ground. So, you know, everybody else would put a prayer shawl on and it might make may go below the knee or it may go down to the ankle. But these scribes, they were so holy that theirs went all the way down to the ground. It covered their whole body. These shawls, which had ornate tassels on the end, depicted the lofty status these professors enjoyed in the community. So when they would be in the synagogues or they would be in the marketplaces, the people would see them in their long clothing. They would see them with this special clothing that they had, and they would be revered for it. And they would say, oh, look, there's a, there's a scribe. There's a, there's a Pharisee. There's a, there's, a chief, there's a priest. There's a chief priest. Well, this has been around a long time, hasn't it? And it's still going on today. You see examples of this spiritual hypocrisy still in the church today. You have... In, and not only in the church, but in the religious world. You see in many religions that they think that the more clothing that they put on and the more that they cover up, that they think they're more holy in doing that. Right? So you have some of the religions where, especially the women, they cover up everything. And then you even have in the church, in Christianity, and you've had this for a long time, legalism in dress and thinking that certain dress or certain length of clothing or certain styles even mean that you're more holy than others. This is religious hypocrisy. Not to say that modesty isn't important. Not to say that we shouldn't follow what the scriptures say about modesty, and about our clothing, because it does teach us 
what is right concerning those things. But spiritual hypocrisy is, is that thinking that if you dress that certain way or if you have the certain style or you, you cover up so much that you think that you're more holy if you do that. That's what's wrong and this is what was wrong with them. It's not that what they were wearing was, was bad. It's not what they, what they were wearing wasn't even appropriate in their culture. It was that they did it for show, right? And they did it out of pride and they did it to receive recognition from man. And that was, wrong, that was what's wrong about it. It says not only did they love to go around in long clothing, but they loved salutations in the marketplaces. Who doesn't love to be greeted? Who doesn't love to be respected with a title? Right? That's something that's natural to us. We, we love that. We love to, to, to be shown that respect. And they, they absolutely ate this up. They loved salutations in the marketplaces. Salutations just means greetings. They like to be greeted. They like to be called rabbi. They like to be called teacher. They like to be called master. These were positions of authority. But they were also positions that came with great responsibility. Right? These were responsible with handling the word of God. These were responsible for teaching the people what the Word of God said. These were the people who were supposed to be examples to the people of how you're supposed to live before God. And so they were taking the recognition and the status part, but they had left off the responsibility part of it. And how, oh, how we have to be careful in taking on the name of Christ that we don't do the same thing, right? That we just take on the name of Christ and, and, and enjoy all the benefits that come along with that, but not understand the responsibility of, that comes with that and the privilege and the joy of living out that life, walking the walk and not just talking the talk. And we see with this, these proud religious leaders that they were all about the talk but not about the walk. And so they loved these greetings in the marketplaces. They loved to be called these names and it, and it gave them a sense of, of dignity and recognition that they long to have. What you notice in this text and the other passages is that when Jesus warns about these scribes, he says, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. Notice the words that he uses about them. First of all, desire. They desire to go along around in long robes. This, he's pointing out what is their heart, right? What is, what is their motivation? What is their desire to be recognized, right? To be esteemed, to be held in high regard. And then what, what other words does he use? Not only do they desire to go around in long robes, but what? They love these greetings in the marketplaces. They love to have these seats these best seats in the synagogues, and they love to have these best places in the feast. Jesus is pointing out their heart. This is their desire, and this is their love. And so when you examine them, see what they really care about. See what they really desire. And Jesus is saying, what they really desire is recognition and personal benefit. 
They loved these things instead of loving God. And that's why Jesus just had previously talked to the scribe about what was the greatest commandment. And it was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what these religious leaders had left off. They had left off loving God and loving the people. Instead, they loved these things. They loved the greetings. They loved wearing the long robes. They loved getting these special seats and special places. If you go over into Matthew 23, starting in verse 7, it says, And greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But Jesus says, But be ye not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. And all ye are brethren, and call no man your father upon earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, shall be brought low. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Jesus said instead of being humble, they were being proud. Instead of serving his people, they were serving themselves. And this is what you see in hypocritical religious leaders. You can really see by by what their life is like. Are they doing everything that they're doing? Are they saying everything that they're saying for their own benefit and their own glory? Or you can tell, are they doing it for God and for His people? You can see the difference. And He says with them, it's all about what you can see and it's all about what will benefit them. They love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues. So they had these seats, and Sproul mentions that in the synagogues, the best seats were these benches along the sides. And those were reserved for the religious leaders. Those were reserved for the elders, for the, the scribes and the, the priests. And these, these scribes that Jesus is talking about, he, he's saying that they love these. They love these special seats, these places of honor where everyone else would sit down on the ground, they would come in and they would, they would have the seats. And I'm sure, it doesn't say this, but I'm sure that there was some pushing and shoving going on among them many times to make sure that they got the best seat in the synagogue. And at feast, when they would have a dinner and they would have a banquet or a celebration, they would always make sure that they sat at the head of the table, the place of honor, the place of respect, the best seats, the best places, the most comfortable places maybe even. And they greatly loved these symbols of honor and respect. So spiritual hypocrisy is all about what's done on the outside, but it's really about personal gain and personal benefit. Secondly, spiritual hypocrisy is not concerned with the good of others, but only their own good. 
It is not concerned with the good of others, but only your own good. He says, not only, okay, did they care about these outward things, these long robes, these greetings in the marketplaces, these best seats in the synagogues and these best places and feasts. But he says they take it even a step further and he points out that they devour widows' houses. I mean, talk about not being concerned with the good of others. A widow, right, who has lost her husband, a family who's lost a father, and who are dependent upon others, these religious scribes are taking advantage of these widows. How wicked do you have to be in your heart to take advantage of a widow? Barnes in his notes on the Bible says, which devour the families of widows or the means of supporting their families. This they did under pretense of counseling them in the knowledge of the law and in the management of their estates. They took advantage of their ignorance and their unprotected state and either exhorted large sums for their counsel or prevented the property to their own use. And he says, no wonder that our Savior denounced them. If there is any sin of special enormity, it is that of taking advantage of the circumstances of the poor, the needy, and the helpless to wrong them out of the pittance on which they depend for the support of their families. And as God is the friend of the widow and the fatherless, it may be expected that such will be visited with heavy condemnation. God, as we have seen in the scriptures from beginning to end, He takes care of widows. And He takes care of the fatherless. He takes care of the orphan. And so, there is going to be a severe judgment upon these scribes that were taking advantage, taking advantage of these widows. Sproul says, To their shame, some scribes would go to vulnerable widows and basically cheat them out of whatever savings they had. They did this so that they could have more money. They did this so that they could take advantage of their houses. And it was all for their own personal benefit, their own personal recognition. They cared nothing about these widows. They cared nothing about their families and what it was doing to them. It was all for themselves. And then he adds, and for a pretense, they make long prayers to to disguise the fact that they're cheating these widows out of the money that they had and they're doing great harm to their families he says, out of pretense to make up for that and to hide that, they offer these long prayers to, to seem religious, to seem pious. Pretense means outward showing. So he said they offered these long places and long prayers in the synagogue, synagogues and even when they were out on the, in the marketplace and on the street corners. Pray these long prayers using words of repetition and raising their voices so that people would hear them. Sproul says these 
They prayed these prayers not to honor God, but that their piety might be seen by man. It was as if they peeked while they were praying to see who was watching so they could enjoy their reputations. Oh, the hypocrisy. In all of these things, things we see the pride of man. And that's what it comes down to when we're looking at these hypocritical scribes as we see their pride. They only cared about themselves, not others. They were only in it for their own personal benefit and recognition. Jesus points out their hypocrisy clearly in Matthew 23. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus spake to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. There it is. He says the proof is in what they do. The proof is in their actions. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. So there it is. There it is clearly. All that they do, all their works they do to be seen of men. And then lastly on this heading, spiritual hypocrisy will receive greater judgment from God. Jesus says, these will receive greater damnation. These will receive greater condemnation. Why is that? Because they had been entrusted, right? They had been put in a position, they had taken upon themselves a position, which was a handling of God's word and and a responsibility not only to teach this word, but a responsibility to model this word before the people. They had taken upon themselves this responsibility. And he says because of that, it is a greater responsibility and because of their disobedience and because of their hypocrisy in the way that they were living, he says they will receive greater condemnation, greater judgment. Right? And I think that This is true not only in the sense that when they have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the way that they lived in their hypocrisy, but I think also a part of this greater judgment that they would receive would be the judgment that was coming upon the nation of Israel. And remember how Jesus had already told them about the parable of the the vineyard and of the vine dressers and those that had not protected the vineyard, those that had not done their responsibility, those that had, had, had killed the, the, the messengers of, of the vineyard owner, those that had killed his son. He says, what do you think the owner of the vineyard will do? He says, he will come and he will destroy them and he will give the vineyard to another people. And this is part of what they were going to experience in their own generation is that their house would be left to them desolate and judgment would come upon them and 
they would not only experience um, the judgment of, and hand of, of God upon them, but they would, they would experience pain and suffering because of what they had done. So there's a great weight to Jesus' words here in what he's saying. So the word for damnation in our text is judgment. A severe sentence would fall upon them in the day of judgment and a heavier condemnation because under the semblance of piety they practiced iniquity and indulgence under the mask of religion. There's one thing that God despises and hates. It's hypocrisy. It's pride. It's a haughty spirit. A proud look. And this is exactly what they had. And therefore, great judgment was going to be coming upon them. Matthew 23, verse 49 says, Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. Wow. All the blood of all the prophets would be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel and to the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you, scribes, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in you hindered. So there is a great weight to this. Jesus is saying, not only should you be aware of what they're doing, but you should be aware of the judgment that's coming upon them. And if you follow them and if you imitate them, you should expect the same judgment to come upon you. So what we take from this is flee, run from spiritual hypocrisy. Run from it, flee from it. God sees everything. He sees into our hearts. He sees into our motives. He sees into our minds. We can pretend. We can put on a show like they did in front of others, in front of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But God knows our hearts and He sees our hearts. And so we want to have a desire to be true and to be faithful and to be honest and not to be hypocritical. James, in James chapter 1 Starting in verse 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed." If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. 
pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. He goes on to say in the next chapter, in James chapter 2, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto you, unto your assembly, a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves? And are ye become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. Has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you? And draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. So James is also preaching against hypocrisy and spiritual pride. And so we have to pay heed to the Word of God and flee that spiritual hypocrisy. Our second heading is the humility of the widow. So Jesus has pointed out the spiritual hypocrisy of the scribes, and now he gives a great example of what the opposite of that looks like. So they were all about show, they were all about personal gain and benefit, They were all about being seen of man. But now you have an example of a poor widow woman who cares about none of those things. She just cares about giving God glory. It says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how people cast money into the treasury and how many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in out of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had even all her living. What an amazing event. What an amazing example to us of someone who gave all that she had and was humble. 
R.C. Sproul says, following his account of Jesus' warning about the scribes, Mark records an incident that illustrates the contrast between those who serve God with hypocrisy and those who serve him with a true spiritual devotion. So this is what you have here, this contrast of those who are serving God with hypocrisy and one who is serving him with true spiritual devotion. And he goes on to make this point, and I really want it to be my only point under this heading. Number one, God is not so much concerned with what we give as how we give. God is not so much concerned with what we give as how we give. Notice what it said here about the others who were putting in money into the treasury. It says, and many who were rich put in much. I mean, that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that they were putting money into the treasury. This is what they were supposed to do. And it was a good thing that those who had been blessed with riches were putting in a lot of money. That, that was a good thing, and that was going to be able to be used to help the poor and help the widows. It, it should have been anyway. That was its purpose. But what we read from this is that they were concerned with how much that they were giving, but not about how that they were giving. Versus the widow woman says, says that she threw in two mites. Two mites. That, that is, in our day and time, even less maybe than a penny. She threw in two mites. But Jesus says that this widow woman cast in more than all of those who had put money into the treasury. How could he say that? Right? That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem correct. Here you had people who were rich throwing all kinds of money in, all kinds of money. Maybe in our, our day and time, thousands and thousands of dollars. And here this woman throws in some pennies. And Jesus says she cast in more than all of those who had cast in before her. Why would he say that? How could he say that? What does he mean? Well, he goes on to explain it for us, right? This poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they did cast in of their abundance. It didn't hurt them any to cast in what they cast in. This was just of their abundance, right? They could still be at ease. It didn't hurt their, their budget any to, to cast in this amount. It, it was, they had an abundance and therefore they threw it in. And they threw it in to be seen of man, to be heard. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Can you imagine being that poor widow woman? All you had was these two mites. That would be for your next meal. And that would be all you had. You had no place to live. And she gave it all. She threw it all in there. Not knowing where her next meal would come from. Not knowing where she was going to sleep that night. But she loved God that much that she was willing to give whatever she had to Him. This takes a lot of humility to be able to do.
In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this about giving. Take heed that you do not do your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let, thy, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which sees in secret himself shall reward thee openly. You see the difference. The difference is there are those who are doing it to be seen of man and to receive glory and praise of man. And then here you had one who was doing it to be seen by God and receive glory and praise from him. She was doing it to honor God. God had blessed her with these two mites and she was giving it back to him, saying that she trusts him, she depended upon him. The humility that this takes to trust in God with all that you have. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, For as touching the ministering to the saints... It is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest your boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that, as I said, ye may be ready, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they, should, that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a, manner of, as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. It's God who gives. It's God who blesses. Right? It's God who who provides. And this is what this woman understood. She understood that God could provide if she gave it all. God could replace. God would feed her. God would clothe her. God would give her a place to stay. And therefore she gave from her heart not of necessity, not grudgingly but in a cheerful manner. And Jesus points it out to his disciples. Beware of the scribes. Beware of their hypocritical giving. Beware of the rich who are oftentimes giving for, to be seen of man and for personal gain. But take heed to this woman who has given of all that she had and, and from her heart, not to be seen by man, but to honor God. And so we ought to be the same way in our 
service to God and in our giving. God wants us to be cheerful in our giving. He wants us to give in liberation. He wants, to, he wants us to give in a way in which it hurts. It hurts our budget. It hurts our pocketbooks. So what about you today? How are you serving God? As you look at these two extreme examples in this text, you see those that are filled with the spiritual pride and hypocrisy, and you see this humble widow woman who gave all that she had. She trusted God with everything that she had. When you look at your service to God today, what would you say that you are seeing in your life? Are you doing it to be seen of man? Are you doing it for the praise and recognition of people? Or are you doing it out of love and devotion to God? In service to Him, in humility to Him, and for His glory and honor and for the good of others. Are you only giving out of your abundance? Or are you trying to give all that you can to Him? Are you trusting Him? to provide for what you need. Jesus is our example of true loving devotion to the Father. This woman is a great example for us of someone who gave everything that she had. The proper way to give, um, just a great encouragement to us. But Jesus, He is our greatest example of someone who had no hypocrisy, He did nothing to be seen of man. He did nothing for the praise of man. He did nothing for his own personal benefit or his own personal gain. In fact, he did that which was opposite to his personal gain and personal benefit. It says that he had nowhere to lay his head. He gave up all the comforts of his life for you and for me out of loving devotion to his Father and because he loved us and he was willing to humble himself and become obedient. Obedient even unto death, the death of the cross. So Jesus is our greatest example of true loving devotion. And that's what we need to pattern our lives after. Pattern your life. Pattern your life after the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not of the spiritual hypocrites. Give your life to him. Humble yourself before him. Pattern your life, a life of humility, and and beware of pride that creeps in to your own heart and your own life. May God bless you and keep you and use you in His kingdom.